Well, good morning. That was pitiful, but I'll take it, I guess. My name is Tripp. I am one of the pastors here at Soma. It is really good to be back with you this morning, sharing from God's Word. I want to say Happy Palm Sunday. Um, I hope that actually this week, um, this Holy Week, that God actually meets with each one of you as you reflect on what Jesus has done for us in his death and his resurrection, and really making a way for broken humans like me and like you to be made way right with God once again. So I want to encourage you to really um, spend this week um, thinking about those things and processing those things and meditating on what God has done for us, not just in his death, but really in his resurrection. Um, and we encourage you to participate in our Good Friday service where we'll review the time that Jesus went to the cross and went to the garden and we'll have time for interactive prayer and scripture reading and some singing together. Um, the sunrise service, you can get up and walk up those steps if you want to make it up there. I probably won't be there, but my wife will, I guarantee it. Um, she loves those sunrise services. I had a bad experience a long time ago with them at my church back in Philly. I don't know. So, but it's great. You should go to that. Uh, and then, then on Sunday morning uh, here at 10 o'clock, we'll worship together and celebrate Jesus' uh, life. And so let me start with some prayer, and then we're going to jump into the book of Hebrews. So Father, we thank you uh, for your spirit. We thank you that you are the one that teaches and guides. Father, we ask that your spirit would speak this morning to us, that you would teach us, that you would illuminate your word to us, and that as we uh, read your word and study it together, that you would change us and that you would make us more into the image of Jesus, and that we um, would live differently because of that. So Father, we thank you that uh, we get to live a new life because Jesus is alive. So Father, we pray the same thing. Amen. So as I said, we're in a uh, series on the book of Hebrews. Uh, we're calling it God Speaks Through His Son, Jesus. We've been talking about how Jesus is greater than anything else that we would desire to worship. Really, we've been talking about that He's really the greatest thing to worship. Um, because uh, actually verse 3 says this, Jesus is the radiance and the glory of God. That he's not just an angel, he's not just a good prophet, he's not a historical figure, but God himself who holds the universe in his hands, who gave himself up for us so that we might be restored to him. And so that's why we're talking about, that's why what we worship, that's what we're, we're doing today. And so today in Hebrews we come to this chapter that is, is probably the, know, the most familiar section in the book of Hebrews. When people think about Hebrews, they think about this, this chapter. And it's kind of started in the middle of chapter 10 and runs through chapter 11 and discusses faith. Many people call this the faith chapter of the Bible. And so as we think about this idea of faith, I want to start with a question. And if you're new with us, when we ask questions, you do get to interact. And we do believe that the Spirit speaks to more people than just me or someone else up here. And so as you think about this word faith, how would you... How would you describe it? What, do you, what comes to your mind when you think of faith? Exclusive reliance. Exclusive reliance. Okay, good. What else? Trust. Trust. Okay. What else? Endurance. Endurance. Okay. Hope in the absence of reason. Hope in the absence of reason. 
Believing what you can't see. Okay? Good. What else? What else comes to mind when you think of faith? A foundation. A foundation? Okay? An anchor. Okay? Something to hold the boat to the, to the ground. Or the water or something like that. Trust yeah. something not fully known. Trust in something not fully known. Okay? Good. Yeah. I think faith is one of those words that, that often we use to talk about God. But the reality is we place our faith in many other things. And so just think about what are some things that we actually have faith in outside of God? Money? Okay. Yeah, good. What else? What's that? Stoplights. Stoplights. Yeah, that someone else is going to stop. I had actually had a car accident this week. I was in turning lane, and I just figured she would turn with me, but she decided to turn into me. Which, you know, I don't know. I had faith that she would be where she was, but she wasn't. Uh, yeah, so stoplights. Yeah, we have faith in, in stoplights. Yeah, what else? Government. Government. Okay, we often place faith in our government of who's in charge is going to fix my life. Yeah, good. Yourself. Ourself, yeah, I think that's a big one. We often place faith in ourselves. Yeah, good. What else? In other people. Sure. We often place faith in in our spouse or our coworkers or our kids or or other people. Yeah, often. Yeah. Yeah. How does having faith in something change the way you think or live? Maybe you don't need as much like uh, clear like uh, thing, like you don't need uh, evidence for trusting that something will work out if you have faith in it as much like uh, so yeah you can just like start to like trust something with that you, like what this case is said you trust something even though it doesn't make sense always and so it makes you do things maybe that wouldn't make sense to others who don't put their Okay, so it makes you kind of do things that maybe other people would seem odd because they don't have faith in that same thing. Yeah. Okay, good. What else? Makes you act with confidence. Okay, makes you act with confidence. Okay, good. What else? That's just a half wave. Okay. You end up not questioning some of your actions. Okay. Yeah, so we, we step into things without without questioning them because we already kind of believe them or know them. Yeah, good. What else? Or without backup plans. We step in without backup plans. Okay? Good. Rest. Okay? It helps us rest. Yeah, when you have faith in something, you, you believe that's going to be taken care of, it helps you rest. Okay, good. What else? Okay. Yeah, it can definitely make you pessimistic in the things that you thought you were trusting or had faith in failed you. Yeah, good. Yeah. Yeah. As I was thinking about and studying about faith this week, I sense that what is true for many people um, is that a misunderstanding of faith in God can and does lead to a distorted view or create a, a defective view on what the Christian life really is. And I would say that's true for believers as well as not yet believers. I say there's also there's many people who, who teach that a, that a life of faith in God will bring you health, will bring you wealth, will bring you prosperity. And when those things are lacking in your life, it's because your faith is actually lacking. I'd say also just as prevalent as that is that many think faith is really just a, a one-time saving act. 
I'm asking Jesus into my heart, and that was my faith. And all else that happens after that in the Christian life is just something that's kind of added on for our sake of maturity or for community. Much like we talk about the view of the gospel as often people view the gospel as an event in one's past with future ramifications, but miss the actual purpose of, of the gospel to affect the everyday things of life. I think faith is not just a mere single act of receiving Jesus. You see, saving faith actually receives Jesus in order to go trusting Him more and more and more. Saving faith is really a life of faith. And I think that's really what this section in Hebrews is telling us and what it's trying to teach us. That it's not a one-time act, but it's rather it's an ongoing reality in one's life. So if you want to turn to Hebrews chapter 10, and we're going to cover different sections. I'm not going to read all of it. But Hebrews chapter 10, verse 39, um, the author is, is addressing believers. This book is, was written to the people who, who have already placed their faith and trust in Jesus. And this is what he says. But we are not of those who shrink back to destruction, but of those who have faith in the persevering of the soul. In other words, the evidence of authentic faith is actually pressing on. That faith that saves from destruction is faith that actually lives day by day by day. Chapter 11 goes on and it builds from that and it defines faith for us. And it tells us this, that faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. If we put these things together, faith then is actually future-oriented. It's a future-oriented thing. It doesn't just look back at what God did in the past. It does some of that. But mainly, it looks forward to what God has promised to do in the future. It gains confidence from God's past faithfulness. But what faith mainly believes is God's promises in the everyday and what He's going to do in the future. And so faith is not just an add-on or a second stage or a super-Christian gifting. Rather... Faith is a basic, ever-growing, ordinary life of a follower of God. Faith is, is for the everyday things of life, just like the gospel is for the everyday things of life and is relevant for every situation in the day. And I want to read on in Hebrews 11, and in, in, in verses 7 through 12, we, we find this passage of some examples of people mentioned who actually walked in faith. And the author's point here, as he points out some examples from their lives, um, and I want you to realize that these aren't just singular events in their life. These are actual people who had long lives, who walked in these stories of faith, and they were ongoing stories just like your story and just like mine. Another quick note as we look at these examples this morning is that the goal is not to lift these people up and aspire to be them. The goal is to see Jesus. The goal is to see God and how great God is so that we would live in light of His promises and that we worship Jesus even more regardless of what is going on around us. Just like um, we were singing this morning. So I want to read uh, 11, starting in verse 7. By faith, Noah being warned by God about things not yet seen, in reverence, prepared an ark for the salvation of his household by which he condemned the world and became the heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. Verse 8. By faith Abraham, when he was called, 
obeyed by going out to the place which he was to receive for an inheritance. And when he went out, not knowing where he was going, by faith he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. Verse 10, For he was looking for a city which has foundation, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, even Sarah herself received ability to conceive even beyond the proper time of life, since she conceived him faithfully who had promised. Therefore, also, there were born of one man, and of him as good as dead, that is, as many descendants as the stars of heavens in numbers, and immeasurable as the sand which is on the seashore. So in this passage, I'm going to stop there for a minute. In this passage, what we find is three people and basically four examples of how faith lives out. First, we see Noah, who trusts God and builds an ark for the salvation of his household. Secondly, we see Abraham, who trusts God and he leaves his homeland and he leaves for, for an unknown place of promise. Third, we also see Abraham here trust God and live in tents instead of building a city with permanent foundations. And then fourth, we see Sarah who trusts God and conceives when she's barren and when she's way past the age for having children. And if you go back and look at these stories in the Old Testament, what you will find out is that actually God always promises to do the work first. God speaks and promises that in the future he's going to do something, and then these people, these characters, live in light of that promise. He warns Noah there's going to be a flood. He calls Abraham to leave his homeland. He promises Abraham he's going to inherit a new land. In verse 11 it says, Sarah regarded him faithful who had promised. What did God promise? God had promised to give her a child even though she was old and barren and was never able to have children. In every case, the life of faith is actually sustained by the Word of God. Their lives of faith came by hearing the words of God and the promises of God and they trusted in what He promised. Don't miss this, that the starting point is actually God, not these characters. God speaks, he's the initiator of faith, and his words and his promises are the object of faith. That's all the English majors. Right? Living in faith, then, is really trusting in what God says he will do, and in fact, that it will happen. That he's actually good enough, that he's actually smart enough, that he's actually powerful enough to do what he says he will do. I want to stop there for a second and ask this other question to apply it to us. What are some of the promises that God has made to you and to me as his followers of Jesus? What are some of the things he said that we get to now live in light of? To have faith in? What are some of God's promises to you and to me? That he will finish the work that he started. He'll finish the work that he started. Good. What else? We are co-heirs with Christ. We're co-heirs with Christ. Good, yeah. What else? He'll never leave us. He'll never leave us or forsake us. Yeah, good. What else? There's a lot more out there. I guarantee that. We're resting in Him. We're not working for acceptance or approval. Okay, we get to rest in Him. He gives us rest. Yeah, good. What else? 
Yeah, he's placed our sin as far as the east is from the west. He's taken away our shame and our guilt. And we get to live in light of that. Yeah, good. What else? He's forgotten our sin even with that. Like, it's literally just like gone. Yeah, he chooses not to remember our sins anymore. Yeah, Yeah, good. What else? Okay, there's a hope in the future. Yeah, he's, he's preparing a place in heaven for his followers and for his children where we'll spend eternity with him celebrating and recreating and living in the earth that he's made for us. Yeah, good. That he rewards us. Yeah, that he rewards us, that he loves us, that he provides for us, that he rewards us, that he has all those things for us. Yeah, good. Yeah, what else? Now, he didn't leave us as orphans, but he sent the Holy Spirit that now lives inside us and guides us and, and gives us the power to live in the day, every day in faith. Yeah, good. What else? So we're loved, but that can't be taken away. It's a pure, it's a, it's a good, it's a right love that can never be removed for us. Yeah, we're loved, we're accepted, regardless of what we've done and who we are, because he loves us in Jesus. Yeah, good. What else? He's coming back. Yeah, he's promised to return, to restore the brokenness that we see all around us. There isn't a person on this planet who won't agree that the world is broken. And Jesus has promised to return and restore that. I think we could go on all day doing this, hopefully. Um, but one thing, now I think, it's one thing to say those things. It's a different thing to actually believe them in our hearts. To know them in your innermost being. And to live a life of faith in those promises. And I want us to kind of look at these examples again. See, because there's, there's actually an inner response that causes them to actually live out a life of faith outwardly. There's the fruit on the outside, but it's because there's an inner thing that's going on. There's an outward fruit, but it's only because their inner trust and their faith was in God's promises. It's, only, it's actually the only thing that actually provides staying power for the life of faith. Verse 7 says this, that Noah was reverent. In reverence he prepared the ark, it says. Reverence is the idea that that an inner life of faith he took the posture of humility and joy, believing, and then living out a life of faith in God's promises. That's what reverence is really meaning in in, in, in Noah's life. I'm not sure if you know this or not, but but Noah didn't just build the ark in like a year or like a couple years, and then the floods came. Noah was 500 years old when God comes to him. And it's not for another 100 to 120 years that he actually enters the ark, and then God sends the rain. Noah builds a giant boat in the middle of the desert, and people are ridiculing him for 100 years. And he's listening to that, and people are making fun of him, and they're saying that's his identity, but he's believing the words of God. And he's living in faith. It's not just a one-time act. And he doesn't do that without an inner faith that rests in his soul deeply. Without that, there's no way that he has the same power for a hundred and some years to build an ark in the middle of the ocean, or middle of the desert. 
Yeah, it became an ocean. <laughs> but it wasn't at that point. In verse 8, it says this. Abraham's faith was not knowing where he was going when he set out. In other words, the inner response of faith, sometimes actually there's uncertainty in the details of God's call on your life. Verse 10 reminds us that the reason Abraham lived in tents instead of building a city was that he was looking for the city whose architect was God himself. Abraham walks out in faith into all kinds of unknowns. He didn't have the details of God's promises, but he leaves his family, he leaves his home, he leaves his comfort, he wanders around in the